Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah w- wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, 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 oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. I am Brad. Yeah, that's um, that's that's Brad over there. Uh, this is a special one, folks. This is a special one because this is one that is very near and dear to our hearts. We are going to be discussing the your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man's latest No Way Home. Please, please, spoilers abound. If you haven't seen the movie. You, you're not going to want to listen to this podcast episode because we are going all in. Yeah, this uh, is the one and only warning because it's it's just spoiler territory from here on out. It is. Um, but before we do that, we're going to do a little bit of a quick minute. I want to say a quick five-minute um, breakdown of each Spider-Man film that uh, going up to this. So basically the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi films, uh, Sam Raimi, I'm sorry, Andrew Garfield, Mark Webb films, and then uh, the two um, Tom Holland, uh, John Watts, John Watts films that came before this film. Uh, so let's just start off, man. You know, uh, numero uno, Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. So it, the first one came out 2002. And mm. basically this was the first like big superhero movie to start making uh, big bucks for Marvel. Because previous to this, it was all DC movies. Superman, Batman, those were the movies that people knew of, superheroes. I mean, Blade was around, too. Blade was around, but it wasn't as big. Uh, That one was also rated R, so it wasn't... What about X-Men? X-Men came after this. I thought the first X-Men was in, like, two... It was was 2001. Uh, First X-Men was... Because this one came out 2002. Really? I could have swore X-Men was before this. I, I'll take your word for it. I don't, I don't think you're lying. I'll take your word. But I, I could have swore I thought X-Men um, came after Spider-Man. Let me see. No, 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 no. It looks like the first X-Men came out in 2000. You're right. That's what I meant to say. I could have swore X-Men came before Spider-Man. Yeah. But, but, okay, um, so yeah, I was wrong on that one. X-Men did come before Spider-Man. Why did I think that Spider-Man came first? I don't know, man. It looks like you lost your marbles. Yeah, possibly. You, you got two geeks for this episode, so you just kind of just went off the dome with... <laughs> there, yeah, there, so there is Spider-Man, only Spider-Man. There is no other movies. <laughs> there, Nothing else exists. There is only Peter Parker. Um, but yeah, man, I love this film. I remember I, I, can't, I went to the movies to see this with my grandma. Uh, my grandma and my two cousins and it was it was a it was an event you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. it was the first time i was introduced to peter parker through the big screen i never really was a comic book guy as a kid but this got me 
this this um, ignited my love for comic books through watching this film. And dude, it, it works so well. Like when you look at it today, some of it is a little dated with the effects, but it works well as a superhero origin film. Oh, yeah. It's very dated for its effects and everything like that. So once you kind of realize, oh, yeah, this is 2000s, even like Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, the effects Mm -hmm. are a little dated by today's standards. But it those movies have such a campy fun that this one just starts off with with us having the Green Goblin. Uh, his first attack is at like a parade, you know, so you have Spider-Man bouncing off these parade balloons and everything like that. <laughs> it, it's just such campy fun. And I, I still love it. I know that a lot of people like knack on it for not being as serious of like a comic book movie, but it wasn't trying to be a serious comic book movie. They don't know. Spider-Man it, is not serious. No, it was trying to be uh, a fun comic book movie. And that's what it accomplished. One hundred percent. There are serious things that Spider-Man goes through, but it's not a serious movie. Like the death mm-hmm. of Uncle Ben, you know, it's just that's a that's a great sequence, especially the fact that he kind of led the guy to get to his Uncle Ben. You know, um, you, you know the whole sequence. Yeah. But, uh, dude, you you enlightened me to something. You said William Dafoe was only in this movie for fourteen minutes. Uh, sixteen minutes. He has sixteen minutes of screen time throughout the entire movie. It doesn't feel like it at all. I know. It, that's like a testament to uh, what Sam Raimi was able to do because it feels like he's throughout the entire movie. But yeah, th- there's only about 16 straight minutes of film of William Defoe or the Green Goblin in this movie. Wow, I, did, I didn't know that, man. Um, so is there a reason behind that? Uh, no, there's no reason behind it. Like there was like a limit or anything, but it's just used as one of those examples when people are like, oh, well, you know, the villain's going to be like sidetracked to like the back of the movie and stuff. And people just go, you realize that like Spider-Man, the first one, Green Goblin's only in it for 16 minutes, right? You know, that that's how much you don't really need the villain to be there. Like every second of the movie. You know, it's the same thing when people pull up like the uh, how long different cast members are in movies like Endgame when they were like, oh, here's how long Steve Rogers was on screen. Here's how long Tony Stark was on screen. Dude, I mean, like, look at Science of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter, you know, was not on. Anthony Hopkins was, was not on screen that long, but he is such a powerful force in that movie alongside Jodie Foster that it doesn't matter. Right. So it's it's one of those things that I always see like people bring up and everything like that. So it's like one of those weird movie facts that's stuck in my head now because I constantly see it thrown around every time somebody brings up like, oh, but this person's only going to be in the movie for, you know, a little bit. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And then somebody inevitably comes up, William Defoe was only in Spider-Man for 16 minutes. And it's like, yeah, we, we all know that by now. Come on, you just <laughs> get a new argument, please. <laughs> Well, when people hold on to one argument point that defies everything else, they stick to it right. forever. Um, all right. Solid opener. Uh, great origin uh, kickoff for our um, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Moving on to Spider-Man 2, which I believe is one of the greatest comic book films ever, if not the best. I don't know if it's the best. I don't. That's that's a hard that, that's, that's a hard, hard one to say, but I, I agree with it's definitely in the top 10 at the very least. And uh, prior to oh, this got, last week, it, it was my favorite Spider-Man movie. 
Yeah, um, we, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into uh, that. I feel like just, you know, just the character comparison between Spider-Man and Dr. Octopus and, you know, the character development and how one is basically the inverse of the other. Mm-hmm. You can tell Peter Parker wants to be Otto Octavius with his success and like his his principles. You know what I mean? Like if you he says something about like if you have a good mind, if you have a smart mind, it is your duty to like like benefit humanity with it. Right. Or something like that. And that becomes the opposite of what Otto Octavius does when he, you know, goes through his tragic um, accident of losing his wife due to, you know, trying to control the power of the sun. And he kind of becomes the opposite of what he wanted to be or what he preached to Peter. And Peter goes through some like, you know, um, goes goes through some changes in this movie. He goes through a lot of hardships in this movie. He does. You know, this movie is literally him balancing his being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker. Like, that's a huge theme in this movie. And they play it so well by showing, Mm -hmm. like, how he's not able to create the best of each world. And and for a moment, he even thinks of throwing away the uh, Spider-Man persona at all completely so that he can just be Peter Parker because he's losing the people around him because he keeps, you know, putting them in danger or he just doesn't have the time for them anymore. I love how this film is basically, you know, we can talk about how much of a mess the third film is when we get to it, but I love how this is just a great centerpiece. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you have Peter Parker, he settled in as Spider-Man by the end of the first movie, and now he's at a point where he's like, dude, I don't even know if I want to keep doing this. Like, my personal life is a mess. You know, I, I love saving people, but it's like, what what does it cost me? Right. You know what and I mean? it's... I, that's a common theme in the uh, comics as well with Peter balancing being Peter and being Spider-Man. And this movie just grabbed that concept and just ran with it as far as they could and just managed to perfect it. Cause you actually feel bad for him at certain points, even though, yeah, he's a superhero, but that's not always a good thing. You know, this really does weigh in on his life. I gotta say, man, Sam. What one thing Sam Raimi does very well with action, man, is like I love the free fall sequences. Oh yeah, like when Spider Man and Doc Ock are fighting in free fall. That's one. That's one effect to this movie that's not dated to me. Oh, like by I can see that in a yeah, I can see that in a Marvel movie that comes out today and be like, yo, that sequence was cool. Well, they did um, one similar to that in uh, Into the Spider Verse, which is a Spider Man movie we're not talking about today. But they did that kind of free fall sequence with that, and it just looks fantastic still. I forgot that sequence. I think I think I know what you're talking about, but I forgot it. Um, dude, one of the best scenes is when um, you know he, he's he's saving the train from going off the cliff, and you know he he's 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 holding on to his spider webs to to stop it with all his might, and you know he he's weakened, and you know they basically carry him inside the um, the 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 train, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh man, he's just a kid, like you know he like this this whole time he's he's just a kid. And it's that tender moment where, you know, Doc Gott comes back on the train and they're all like, uh, and I love how funny this is. They, uh, he says like, he says, I want him. And they're like, you gotta go through me. You gotta go through me. He says, all right, sure. And he just yeah. separates them. <laughs> I was cracking up, man. Like, I, I, I just love that moment. Oh, yeah. It, it this movie is filled with just those kind of like touching moments and everything. Those like bring a tear to your eye kind of moments. 
and mm. it, it played with tension so well with yeah. uh, Peter's life and everything like that. Because this was back in the day when you know a movie like this wasn't guaranteed a sequel. So it was like, this could be the end of Spider-Man. Like, they could kill him in this movie, and, you know, people would be shocked. But it's something that could have actually happened back then. Yeah, they could have did that. I'm glad they didn't. I mean, it's kind of what Chris Nolan, what I thought he was going to do with The Dark Knight Rises. But you can't can't kill Spider-Man. You can't kill Batman. Like, you just kind of can't. Right. You can, but it's kind of an unwritten comic book rule that you shouldn't. You can do it. You just shouldn't. Unless you're about to, like, hand off the reins to somebody else. Like in the uh, Ultimate Universe where Peter Parker dies and Miles takes over. And that's the one that uh, Into the Spider-Verse is kind of based off of. So there is a point where you could, like, kill Spider-Man. But back in 2004 is when this one came out, right? Somewhere around there. That kind of concept was completely unheard of. uh, We didn't have connected movies like we do now. Like Avengers is still a huge deal that people are trying to copy and completely failing at. (laughs) Funny enough. Gotcha. I'll be real with you, man. I don't have any Wikipedia pages or anything up in front of me. I'm going straight off the dome. Oh, so am I. (laughs) Just because I just love Spidey like that. Um, All right, man, on the three. So this movie's a mess, but it's a a very entertaining mess. It it is very entertaining. This, you know, a lot of people give this movie a lot of hate, but honestly, on rewatch, it wasn't as bad as I, like, remembered or what I thought it was. It's not a bad movie. It's just it's just trying. It just throws everything at the wall. It's, and but it do, it doesn't do it in a way in which it's a uh, incoherent. Well, it's a little incoherent. It's still entertaining. It's very packed. It's a very yeah. compact movie, which doesn't give it time to breathe in between things going on. Because you have uh, Peter's whole ordeal with MJ going on. Then you're throwing in uh, Harry Osborn, like trying to get revenge for his father and being angry at Peter. You have their whole relationship thrown in. Uh, then you also have, I'm trying to remember, Sandman. I'm trying to remember what his name is, though. Um Oh, I forgot his name. <laughs> but uh, you have Frank, I think. Uh, him coming in and, you know, his whole storyline of him being the one that actually killed Uncle Ben and, you know, got turned into the Sandman and everything. And then they threw Venom in, you know, because there wasn't enough in this movie already. So Let me say this. Go ahead. Oh, did so this, this movie is completely packed in uh you you have three villains in here you have several story arcs that are just kind of flipping around constantly and while none of them are inherently bad it's the fact that none of them get room to breathe before you're being thrown into another one that kind of makes this movie feel disconjointed in a way his name was flint not frank flint that's Um, it yeah Here's my thing, man. I'm going to talk about the good, then I'm going to talk about the bad. I love the design. I like the design of Sandman. I think Sandman looks good. Um, I like Venom when he's Venom. When um, when uh, Eddie Brock is like non-Venom, I don't like the vampire teeth. I think they look stupid on him. <laughs> I, I, I think that really looks stupid. Uh, you didn't like American Vampire uh, Topher Grace? <laughs> 
I did not like American Vampire Toe for Grace, man. Like, there's a there's a lot to love and a lot to hate about this movie. I like how Mary Jane is kind of checking Peter a little bit. Like, listen, man, I, I understand your life is going great as Spider-Man, but understand that I'm going through some stuff. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? My, my Broadway musical is not going as well as I wanted to, you know. And I feel like there's so much going on with that and then him wrestling his friendship with Harry, who, by the way, gets amnesia. And forgets about the whole ordeal just to later on in the film for the convenience of plot. Uh, remember it reverse, all. Right. Remember it all back just in yeah. time for the just in time for the plot, which is was so stupid, man. That's why I said, like, this movie has too much going on. Like, you might as well just have erased Harry from it all together. Right. But I think that happened. Well, so the I only reason I'm, they brought him in is so they could have like the two V two for villains, you know, or so uh, I, so he could join Spider-Man and fight uh, Venom and Sandman together kind of thing. That's the only reason uh, that he was in here. No, I understand the destination. Uh, it's still stupid. Oh, but, yeah. um I guess I'm going into what I hate now. Dude, I, there was Peter Parker was crying too much in this movie. There was too much Tobey Maguire weepy face in this movie, man. Too much that I can handle. Yeah. I don't know. This movie does have some great quotable moments. You know, you'll get your rent when you fix this damn door. You know? Yes. I I still love that scene. Yeah, no, no. Like I told you, there's a lot to love about this movie and a lot to hate. I love uh, Tobey Maguire's corny soul man dance. (laughs) When he comes out the store dancing for that long take. You told me that you think that 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 scene was not supposed to be funny. I think it was, man. I, I... I, I'm still on the fence about it. There, there's parts of it that it's like, ah, oh, I don't know. It just, it, it plays it off in a weird way that I don't think like when they wrote it in the script, it was supposed to be funny. I think it was supposed to be funny. Cause listen, man, while he's doing this, a lot of women are looking at him kind of like they're, they're, they're towing the line between attraction and like WTF. Right. Like, what's, what's wrong with this guy? So I think it's supposed to be funny, man. I think it's supposed to be. It's like Peter Parker going to the dark side, but because it's it's campy, you know, quirky Peter Parker. Not even like that's what makes it so funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't I can't honestly picture Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker as a guy going to the dark side. That's what makes it funny to me. Yeah, no, he's definitely not uh, the bad boy Peter Parker that he thinks he is in that movie. <laughs> I like I, I like the scenes. Um, I, I, I like how he kind of takes revenge as this new Peter Parker, though. It, it's kind of refreshing to see Peter Parker not be the good guy all the time. Uh, but overall, it's it's a mess. Um, I feel like the ending... The ending is less uh, less of a downer than I remember it to be, but um, I don't know what to make of it. So what? Mary Jane is in a nightclub singing, and Peter shows up, you know, looking for forgiveness, and they hug each other and embrace, and that's the end. Yeah, well, keep in mind this wasn't meant to be the end of the Spider-Man movies. Uh, there right, was a right, fourth one being written when this one was being filmed, so they expected to do a fourth movie. But it was because of uh, Sony wanting the fourth movie to feature a different villain than the Vulture that Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't get a chance to make this one because uh, Raimi refused to, you know, bend to the knee to Sony again after uh, Spider-Man 3, 
which ended up ending their relationship when it came to the Spider-Man movies. Okay. It's a shame when that happens. I understand artistic integrity, but it's a shame when, you know, you you can't forego um, studio indifference or studio um, interference for, you know, the quality of art. Right. Well, when you basically have three children, you're like, these two are perfect, but this one got mutilated by Sony. And you're like, I want to have a fourth. And Sony's already standing there with the knife going, yeah, we're ready for the fourth one. You know, you're just like, maybe we don't do a fourth one. I think I think the three is enough. I think we're good with the three of them. Right, right. All right. So that wraps up the Sam uh, Raimi uh, trilogy. Uh, Gone, but never forgotten. Yes. So. Moving on to Mark Webb's films, um, these are my first time watching Andrew Garfield movies, man. I was going to say, if I recall correctly, you haven't seen either of these movies. You know, I was always putting it on the fence because, you know, shame on me. Word of mouth, I had always heard, ah, oh, man, he's the worst Spidey, or don't watch his movies. And I was like, well, Andrew Garfield was a good actor. I've yeah, I couldn't this, disagree and- with that statement any further. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I've seen him in the social network. I've seen him in uh, Under the Silver Lake. How bad can it be? So, you know, I, I walked in with a little bit of preconceptions. Um, but, okay, starting off with The Amazing Spider-Man. So, it, this basically felt, this is what it is. This is a reboot. It felt to me like a reboot of what I just saw, because I watched all of these in a, in a you know, concession. Right. Um. You know, instead of Mary Jane, we got Gwen Stacy and not Gwen Stacy with Mary Jane in the same movie. Um, and, you know, uh, Peter Parker is a bit more introverted, a bit more of a outcast, still nerdy. But uh, I, I like Andrew Garfield's alternate alternate take of Peter Parker. He can't top Tobey Maguire. Not not to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very biased in that assessment. I'm very biased. Um, but I like the way he approached Peter Parker and I like, I like seeing a sarcastic Spider-Man. Uh, the sarcastic Spider-Man is more what, uh, everybody should be used to because the nineties cartoon Spider-Man was more sarcastic. The comics were more sarcastic. Uh, mm. that was actually one of the things that uh, a lot of people criticized Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man for is he didn't feel as uh, quick you know, witted as uh, Spider-Man typically is noted to be. So that's hogwash. When we yeah, got, he had jokes. oh, he did have jokes and everything, but it wasn't on the same level. Like when people saw Andrew Garfield playing Spider-Man and how quick-witted this Spider-Man iteration was and everything, uh, Mark mm-hmm. Webb definitely got that part right when he was doing the directing and getting like the tone of what this Spider-Man was. Mm-hmm. Was Spider-Man is a very sarcastic kind of guy. Uh, he, he's not so much serious, you know, all the time. He does get serious at moments, but most of the time he's just having fun doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it, you definitely see that a lot more with Andrew Garfield's version of Spider-Man. And even with, you know, the Lizard is not the greatest villain, but at the same time he does have, like, a good backstory and it's a villain that we hadn't seen or in live action yet because they didn't want to rehash any of the previous villains that we had already seen in the Raimi trilogy. So Makes they kind of had to find somebody new to use. And I guess they landed on Lizard. I don't know why. I got to be honest, man. I didn't like Lizard. 
Um, yeah, he's got I, a nice I, I, story, but it's he's just not that interesting of a villain beyond that. Liz is not a good villain to me. He works better as an ally, like he did in the in the nineteen nineties animated series. But I, I didn't like him as a villain. I thought, okay, you know, I, I, we're wasting a whole film on this guy. All right, uh, I guess. But I like the background of um, Peter Parker's parents and their backstory. Yes, I like I like how this film introduces that, and I said, okay, that's 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 cool that um this man has a connection to Peter Parker's parents, and you it gives you a clue, it gives you a, a view into um you know his his uh his fam- his parents' role in um in in Oscorp and everything. But one thing I didn't like, man, I love Sally Field, but it felt like Aunt May didn't smile once. It felt like she was always like had a worried look on her face, like in yeah. contrast. To the Aunt May and the Sam Raimi films, who's um, you know, when she was worried, she was worried, but she's the warm Aunt May. You know, like she she puts a smile to your face because of how warm and humble she is. She's and this still Aunt the May, Aunt May that I think of when I think of like Aunt May in live action. You know. Yeah. This Aunt May, like Sally Field was that, but it was like they always had her at like level 10 of like anxiety and worry. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. let Aunt May smile a little bit. Let her let her kick her feet up. Like she doesn't always have to be on 10. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely things that this move, well, this, I guess, two movies kind of could have done a little bit better. Uh, Aunt May being one of them. Uh, the choice of villain in the first one was a little bit odd. But when it came to, like, growing Peter's backstory, uh, giving Peter a little bit more, you know, of an interesting personality to be going up against people with, with the quick witness, they got those parts right. Absolutely. I think Emma Stone is a good Gwen Stacy. Um, yes. The chemistry between them is, is not as strong in this movie as it is in the second film. Chemistry is very strong in the second film. I don't know if that was because they were dating in real life, but, like, I love the the rapport they have in the second film compared to this film. This film, they were just kind of saying, okay, how can we get these two together as a couple and, you know, how to play that out? Like, there's moments where I'm like, Andrew Garfield looks a little too, too introverted in some scenes. Like, he looks a little too, uh, like, kind of outcasty. And, you know, it, it plays off a little awkwardly at times, their their chemistry in this movie, in this movie. Yes. But um, this movie's all right. It, it sold me on him as Peter Parker, though. I was like, OK, he's not as bad as people thought. I should have watched this a long time ago. Uh, Dennis Larry is cool as the as, uh, you know, Gwen Stacy's father. Um, he sold that role. Martin Sheen was great as Uncle Ben. I feel like they got Uncle Ben right on that one too, just like the just like the one actor that played him in the Sam Raimi films. Uh, Want to move on to two? Yeah. So Amazing Spider-Man two, uh, this one much better. This one did a lot of things better. I think that the only thing that this one got wrong was trying to push in all of the Harry Osborn kind of plot because there's just so much of that and they just try and compact it into this movie so tightly that it see, almost starts to get Spider-Man 3 vibes at points. See, I didn't mind that. Like I felt like they 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 inserted him right where he needed to be and he turned bad right where he needed to turn bad. Like Dan Dehan sells Harry Osborn to me. He okay. he sells that role. He always he does he does evil roles pretty well ever since we saw him in Chronicle. But um what I like about his Harry Osborn is that the progression of Harry Osborn, he has a dying illness, you know, Norman Osborn dies at his deathbed 
and he's just trying to find a way on how to live longer to not have the illness cripple him. So you got a nice dilemma that I think is inserted very well between with Peter Parker saying, like, I don't know what he's going to become if I give him my blood. I don't know what it will do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he, he's he's trying to tell his friend he wants his friend to live, but he doesn't want his friend to live with something that could turn him worse. Right. Or kill him faster. He doesn't know what it's going to do to him. And I love his I love his Green Goblin. Like, I feel like his Green Goblin was I feel like it was hard, man. I liked his Green Goblin. Uh, he was Hobgoblin, not Green Goblin. Hobgoblin. Yeah, I keep forgetting. You're right. I liked his <laughs> Hobgoblin. Yes. I feel like his Hobgoblin was dope. Um, dude, I love that opening, man. That fight on the plane was awesome. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, that up. Uh, this movie definitely starts strong and it just keeps going. Uh, like there's a couple weird things like, uh, having, uh, Electro be created because he runs, you know, falls into a bat of electric eels and he gets bitten and that's how he gets his electric powers. It's a little weird. Uh, I him mean, being blue is a little weird. Peter Parker turns into Spider-Man by getting bit by a spider. Is, is that not the weirdest thing ever? Yeah, but at the same time, like, just, he falls into a giant tank of electric eels, and it seals his teeth, you know, you know, uh, closer together and stuff, you know. (laughs) It's a comic book movie, man. It's a comic book movie. Forgive all that. (laughs) It's hard to, like, watch that and just go, oh, this is, this is weird. But I do love Electro in this one, because Jamie Foxx plays it off so well. He does, and he's a pitiful, he's a pitiful character. Yeah, you really feel for him. You know, he he's a guy that's never seen. Um, they kind of play that up a little too much, but I get why you kind of got to dumb it down for the general audience. But he's he's a character that's never seen, and um, he feels seen when Spider Man saves him. You know, right? And especially uh, because he goes, you know, he says his name, and you're like, oh my god, I couldn't do it without you. You're great and everything, and it just comes off with that charisma that uh, Andrew Garfield has with this Spider Man. You know, this is a Spider-Man that never shuts up, and that is a like very accurate for some of the comic lines kind of Spider-Man. Right. Um, fast forwarding to the ending, though, man, that ending took balls. But I, I like that though. Like I, I like that. Listen, it's very sad, and you feel it when Gwen Stacy dies. Oh yeah. But I like that. It's kind of something that's been. This film has kind of foreshadowed it this whole time. You don't. It's kind of a will they or won't they kind of thing where her, her the the sh- the shadow of her father looms in Peter Parker's head when he mm-hmm. tells him at the end of the last film, like, dude, you're gonna run into a lot of trouble being Spider Man. Just keep my daughter out of it. You know, he's kind of wrestling with should he be in Gwen Stacy's life or shouldn't he because of that? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful thing, and that moment is ripped straight from the comics. I remember as a comic reader and everything when they showed the trailer for this movie and they showed the clock tower, immediately everybody was like, oh, they better not do that scene. We're only in the second movie. They better not do that scene. And as soon as it started like getting up to that point, they went to the clock tower and you know she's dangling there and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this, this is going to break me. I can't watch this. This is literally going to break me watching this because, you know, you might have been sitting there going, oh, yeah, she she might fall and everything like that. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, if, if they do the back cracking noise, I, I might I, I can't do this. This is 
this is going to hurt so much. I didn't even know she cracked her back. I thought I thought the web saved her in time. But then my wife was like, no, she hit her head. I'm like, no, Ah, that's worse. uh, It was the whiplash and it cracks her spine. Oh, I thought she just I thought she broke her cranium or something. Um, Either way, it's tragic. Uh, but I love the powerful ending, though, man. I, li- I like the little kid that comes out when you <laughs> I like how they inserted Rhino at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and I like the little kid that comes out when Spike because, you know, Peter Parker throw he, he gives up the suit. He's like, man, I just lost the love of my life. I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I like how the little kid comes out in like the little Spidey outfit. You know, the Rhino kind of mocks him. And then Spider-Man yeah, cause he has the mask out. on, right? He has the mask on. Yeah. And then Spider-Man comes out and um and I tells the kid, hey man, go ahead and take care of your mother. I'll take care of this thing. I feel like that's such a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. My wife, my wife made a joke saying, Man, if that was my son, he would get the whooping of his life when he came back to me. Like, why would you step out in front of a massive rhino creature like that? What is wrong with you? Oh, uh, yeah, that that's a great one. Uh, one thing that we didn't touch on for the uh, Raimi trilogy, though, uh, Spider-Man's suit. I, I love how they played with him getting his suit in that movie in the first one. And mm-hmm. I love how they countered that in this one, kind of doing a similar thing where Andrew Garfield is looking for a costume. Because in the first one, he orders like a wrestling outfit. And mm-hmm. that's how he like gets his start is with a wrestling outfit. Eventually he starts tuning it to the Spider-Man uh, costume that we know for the Raimi trilogy. But with, uh, Mag- with uh, Andrew Garfield's, we get that at the beginning. Uh, Spider- Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, good suit. The suit in Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think is still my favorite suit in all of Spider-Man live action. Like okay. the giant eyes, the blue toned pattern and everything like that. It is such an iconic suit that it's it, you can tell immediately who it is when you see that. And I, I love it because it's one of the most comic accurate for the Amazing Spider-Man series. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you ever look at like the cover of any of the Spider-Man comics and stuff like that, you'll see like the, the eyes are always like taking up almost about like two thirds of the entire head. And I think they got that right with the Andrew Garfield of kind of that look and everything. And I, I still love it. The color palette and everything like that. So, uh, I, I wanted to make that note here because obviously we're going to talk about that in a little bit here, but, uh, Okay. Yeah, that uh, I I gotta say, like the up until this point, it, Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man two suit is by far my favorite of the Spider-Man suits, including all the Tom Holland suits that we've seen so far. Technically, okay. Speaking. <laughs> all right. So uh, almost at the halfway mark. So let's uh, we right at the finish line, folks. We're gonna wrap these up quick. All right, so John Watts, we uh, we we're going we're going to Tom Holland. Um, I saw Homecoming for the first time when I watched this. Okay. Uh, I I feel like it's a nice start. Uh, it still has that reboot feeling to it, but it's just it's longer than it needs to be. Uh, like I think this- okay. So to do quick wrap up of this one, 
Uh, Vulture, great villain. I absolutely love oh, yeah. him. Michael Keaton killed it. Yes. Um, Tom Holland was good, too. Tom yeah. Holland is great. Uh, the play with Tony Stark is great with kind of being the mentor and him kind of having a little bit of development there. Uh, mm-hmm. I love how he had to go back to his original suit, which actually is like goggles that he uses to kind of actually tone down his vision so he can see less because that helps him focus more. Uh, I love when he's like hacking the suit and everything like that. It, there's a lot of great scenes in this. and But one of the bigger problems of this one is uh, this is still like a very young Peter Parker that's going up against a villain that is a stark villain. It's not a Peter Parker villain. It's so, a little YA. It's a little young adult at times. Yeah. So, it, which I like having like a younger Spider-Man and everything like that. It's not really yeah. that downside, but it's the fact that uh, he didn't get his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man villains. Instead, he was like a young adult oh, yeah, getting it, and he gets a you know stark level villain right off the this bat. Dude was, this dude was ruthless. He's like, he's like, let me tell you something. Right, I love that scene where they're at the dance, and and the homegirl gets out of the car. He's like, does she know? And Peter tries to act dumb, like, huh? So okay, she doesn't know. Let me yeah. tell you something, man. If you do anything to stop me again, I'm gonna kill you and anyone you love. I'm like, is this still Spider-Man? Yeah. Like, are we are we in the first Tom Holland Spider-Man movie? This dude is like really, you know, about it. You know? Right. So yeah, like, yeah it gets very kind of dark in that. Like, this is not like this shouldn't have been Spider-Man's first villain. But it does kind of like throw him in the middle of it at the same time. I didn't mind. I didn't mind that it was his first one. I feel like, okay, I, I rather listen, I'd rather see somebody I haven't seen before. So right. I, I didn't mind that it was his first one. Um Yeah, I think it's I I think it's an okay opener. Uh it's a little it's a little overlong, but I think it's an okay opener. So um far from home. Uh Mysterio, uh great villain premise. Uh, completely underutilized. Good. I feel like he's underutilized until the end. It, that's how it is. It's he's very underutilized until you actually see him do something. Uh, because when he actually fights Spider-Man for the first time and mm-hmm. does the whole like uh, trickery and everything using the illusions, and then he gets hit by the truck, or no, it was a uh, train. He gets hit by. It, great, I absolutely love that. I wanted more in that movie of that scene, but we only got that one scene. And that that was a shame because we had a Mysterio that normally Mysterio tries to play himself as a hero, but mm-hmm. you know, so that was nice to see, but we didn't get enough Mysterio being Mysterio. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was more him sitting on or sitting next to Spider-Man talking to him. Yeah. Um, I hope they bring him back. I really hope they bring Mysterio back in the future. Yeah, I would love to see him come back and actually be more of an illusionist like we saw in the one scene. Because, uh, yeah, it, it just felt so wasted to me. Yeah. he. I don't think he's wasted. I think Jake Hall. he's there. And he, he has his, his screen presence. He's there and he does a good job. Um, I feel like the, the character is a little wasted. And, you know, for they, they play it up too long with him acting like he's one of the good guys. And we're like, dude, we know he's Mysterio. Yeah. Like, we know he's Mysterio. Like, we we don't know have he's have... the villain of the movie. Just just get on with it. Right. You know, 
and you know Nick Fury's in this. Um, I thought it was okay. I just thought it was okay. I I, I love the ending. Um, I like how it keeps in tradition with the you know uh, what the f- kind of endings yeah. where they, they they cut off the uh, the the cuss word. Um, and, and you know Jay Jonah reveals that he's Peter Parker, and we lead into where we are now. Uh, I think it's an okay. I think it's an okay sequel. Yeah, I I thought it was good. It uh, it definitely. My biggest complaint is mostly with Mysterio. I like where mm. they go with uh, Peter Parker, like trying to get over the death of Tony Stark. That happens in Endgame. I, I yeah. like how he's trying to gather himself and find out who, what kind of hero he's going to actually be. Because uh, he kind of wants to be like this big Avengers kind of hero, but he realizes he can't be an Avengers level hero. He wasn't made out yeah. to be. And the only reason he was actually there is because of Tony Stark in the first place. I like that. I like how it plays with those kind of lines and everything. Yep. All right. It's go time, folks. I know it took a while. We might have some time stamps on where we start with No Way Home. But uh, all right, man, NWH, let's go. Okay. So do, do you want to take the reins on this one or should I? I'll take the reins and you can just like take the reins when I run out of breath. Okay. <laughs> Let me get my water in hand now. Yeah, yeah. So we basically start off uh, with far, uh, far from home left off. You know, everyone realizes that um, uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. You know, so Peter Parker is kind of freaking out because everybody's noticing him and stuff. Everybody's like noticing like Mary Jane, like, oh, like MJ, uh, like, uh, oh, are you his girlfriend. And, you know, and, uh, you know, Spider-Man kind of takes her and they kind of swing around trying to escape everybody. It's basically pan- panda- pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he goes home to Aunt May and um, John Favreau's happy and, you know, he kind of breaks the news to them like, yeah, I'm, uh, everyone knows now. And uh, it's just it's just more and more craziness. Mysterio has got everybody thinking that Spider-Man caused um, destruction. And where were they? Paris? Uh, London. In London. And um, yeah, one thing goes to another. The FBI picks up Peter Parker um, you know, questioning him about what happened, questioning his friends, his Aunt May, everyone comes to the point where they got to live with Happy. Um, but before that scene, dude, we get one of the best cameos ever. Yes. Daredevil shows up. Yeah, we Matt get Murdoch, Charlie Cox's uh, Matt Murdock from the Netflix series, who is only on screen for about maybe like uh, three minutes ish. The great three minutes. Great three minutes. And right. has one of the most memorable quotes in the movie, which is saying something given what this movie contains. When yeah. the brick flies through the window and he catches it, you know, and Peter goes, right. how, how did you do that? I'm a really good lawyer. And I right. love that. And I, I'm super excited that we're finally getting Charlie Cox back confirmed, especially since, uh, I guess, a little bit of spoilers, uh, that uh, Vincent for Kingpin is coming back as well. So, okay. Uh, that yeah. one was confirmed in the Hawkeye show. Okay. So we're going to finally find out like how they tie in and if, whether the Netflix series is canon or not, supposedly soon. So we'll find out eventually, but the fact that they're back as actors, it, that excites me enough. Even if these end up being soft reboots of the characters, I, I love it. 100% that we're actually finally getting them confirmed back. Yeah. So this is where the film takes off to me. Well, it takes off after this part. So 
you know, everyone's trying to adjust to the new normal. Um, Peter, his friend, uh, who, what's his friend's name? Ned. Peter, Ned, and MJ, they're all trying to get into MIT. They're all trying to, like, um, be together at, uh, in, at college. They're like, look, if no other college accepts us, let's see if MIT will. So, you know, they get they get rejected, one rejection lever after another. They read the MIT letter together, and they realize we didn't even get into MIT because of all the controversy that's happening with them being connected to Peter Parker who is Spider-Man, who in the general public eye is looked at as public enemy number one instead of a hero. So uh, Peter, in his infinite wisdom, uh, heads over to Dr. Strange's temple. And, uh, you know, who he, uh, Dr. Strange tells him he can call him uh, Steven now, which still sounds weird. Yeah. But uh, he says, you know, <laughs> I love that running the- joke in the movie. Right. So he tells Dr. Strange, like, man, I'm going through stuff, man. Like, I... Everyone hates me now. Like, I'm, I'm not the hero Spider-Man I used to be. Um, I need you to make a spell where everyone kind of forgets I'm Spider-Man. So at first, Wong, you know, kind of strolls through. Wong is just always strolling through, man. And Shang-Chi and this. He's just I can honestly through. say the, the Wong strolling through in all these movies getting more, me more and more excited to find out what he's actually doing, especially because right. it's finally revealed in this movie that Wong is currently the Sorcerer Supreme. So because Doctor Strange was gone during the five years of the blip, Wong took mm-hmm. over the Sorcerer Supreme job. And so he's been the Sorcerer Supreme since Infinity War happened, which means that he, that's why he's so intertwined with everything that's going on. And you haven't seen much of Doctor Strange and all these post credits like Shang-Chi uh, in this movie. And, you know, it, it. I'm so excited to find out what he's been kind of whipping up and everything, because you can tell that he's been doing something. He's got something planned because he's kind of always just in the shadows of these movies. I'm looking forward to it, whatever it is. Um, I love how, um, well, basically, before he leaves, Dr. Strange is, uh, you know, Wong is like, dude, don't do that spell of when people forget. And Dr. Strange is like, look, man, like you see him, you see what he's going through. You really don't you really don't want me to like, like do this for him. And Wong just basically says, all right, just keep me out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. So Wong leaves. Uh, you know, they go down to the dungeon to do the spell. And, you know, while Dr. Strange is doing his little, like, wizardly moves, uh, you know, Peter keeps trying to mess with the spell. Like, well, I still want Aunt May to know. I still want MJ and, um, I'm going to keep forgetting. I still want MJ and Ned to know. Mm-hmm. I still want certain people to know I'm Spider-Man. He says, stop messing with the spell. And then finally, Dr. Strange says, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I'm not doing this spell. You know. It, well, it's after listen. he interrupts it for the fifth time. And right. he kind of goes, you know, everybody that knew I was Pete, uh, I was Spider-Man previously should still know and stuff. And because he's kept messing with the spell, he, he's been reconstructing the spell every single time that he wants to adjust it for a new person. So right. it, it eventually it just all starts falling apart because he's trying to juggle literally five spells at the same time and he has to condense it and kind of like entrap it so it doesn't uh, cause a rift in the multiverse. Yeah, and I, I love how he tells him, like, uh, listen, man, I, if, if you already went to MIT and tried to ask them to bring you in, it didn't work. It kind of is what it is. And Peter says, oh, I I should just ask him? Or no, I says, can do that? <laughs> right, he says, you came all the way here to get me to do this spell, and you didn't even ask them to bring you in? 
like, you know, and I love how the next shot is him just being kicked out of the temple, like, yeah. like him just pushing him out. Which um, it, that scene perfectly shows like what kind of Peter Parker we're dealing with, because it's not even that he was worried about his life. It was he wanted his friends to be able to go into college. He was more yeah. worried about them. You know, he wasn't so much worried about himself and how this was affecting him. He was worried about how it was affecting his friends. And he's such like a kid that he doesn't even know what he can and can't do. Like he didn't know he could actually go to the college and try and get like a second opinion on he's their still application. A kid. He's still a kid. He's still growing into a young man. You know, he's still a young adult. Yes. Um, so that leads to, um, and this is where the film kicks off. This is where I love this movie. Uh, I, I liked it up to this point cause it was very much needed exposition up until this point. We go to the freeway where he tries to catch up with the representative from MIT um, who's in traffic and, try, and uh, you know, he catches up with her and tries to explain to her like, kind of, through like a kind of funny dialogue that's saying like, look, you know, don't blame me for my friends, um, for them not getting to MIT, you know, give them a chance. I know I'm, I'm hated right now, but at least give them a chance. And Doc Ock shows up and Green Goblin One of the shows. greatest, like, it, it, villain entries in any Spider-Man movie. Just coming, the claw reaching out from under the bridge, grabbing an, another one, grabs a car and throws it, and then Alfred Molina just pops in and says, well, hello, Peter. And it's just, oh, it, 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 it's so hyped up, and it's so great, and I love this I scene so much. much. Credit, but oh, I love this scene. I love I that gonna, entry. I'm not going to give it that much credit, but it is a, it is a dope scene. Um, so basically, he... Uh, you know him and Doc Ock fight, and uh, <laughs> I love how he just—I love how he just straight up hacks Doc Ock's tentacles. Yes, like like he just straight up hacks the technology where he can now control the tentacles. Yeah, the tentacles uh, integrate with his nano suit, which allows Peter to take over the uh, nanobots that are now covering his tentacles to now take over the tentacles, and he starts just using his arm wave to like mock. Uh, you know, Doc Ock and how he's controlling right. his uh, arms now and then uses him to save, you know, people and like reclimb over the bridge and stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Green Goblin shows up here, too, right? Yeah, he shows up there right there. And uh, that's because Doc Ock even has line Norman. And then they get zapped into uh, the Sanctum Sanctorium's uh, kind of, I guess, dungeon prison kind of area, something. Yeah, yeah, he 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 uh, zaps him into the sanctuary because that is where he holds each of the villains. Um, I gotta say something, man. If we continue, D- dude, Green Goblin was out cold in this movie. William Defoe was out cold. William Defoe knocked this out of the park several times. Like every he, scene he was in, he took over. I, I know everyone uses this example, but he was the Joker to Tom Holland's Batman, dude. He yes. knocked this film out of the park. I thought Alfred Molina was going to do it, or at least both of them, but William just came through. Yeah. yeah. That's not even saying that like anybody else in this movie like completely did bad or anything like that. They all did fantastic, but William Defoe just took over the screen every chance he was on it. Yeah. It's just it's just when it's just like that moment when the actor is just in their bag and you just can't get them out of their bag. Yeah. You know. Like, you can uh, tell William Defoe has been waiting 
since 2002 to be able to put that mask back on. And he got his right. chance, and he just fell right back into the role. I'm willing to bet the conversation went, hey, do you want to come back as Green? Yes. Yes, I do. We, Well, we're doing no a new... More. Yes, yes, I want to come back. No more Aquaman. No more of this A24 stuff. Yeah. I've been waiting to put on the Green Goblin costume again. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I can believe it. I can believe it. Um... So I like I like his kind of uh, trajectory in the film too. Like I love I love the surprise of like you know we feel like he's defeated the Green Goblin when he kind of like he kind of like he's in an alleyway he doesn't really know where he is and you hear mm. the Green Goblin mask talk to him and he kind of like smashes the mask and you feel like that's kind you almost feel like that's kind of the end. Uh, well, the laugh the still goes on the after the mask on. is smashed and stuff. So you're like okay he's still the he's Green still Goblin's still there. Yeah, so like he he runs into Aunt May and he's looking for help. He's at a homeless shelter that the Aunt May uh, runs or works at, and he's looking for help and he's trying to get better. His main thing is like, dude, I just I just wanna I wanna feel better. I don't wanna be um I don't wanna feel have this evil feeling in my mind. Yeah, like he he turns to Peter Parker saying, "Can you cure me?" Now, was the Electro and Sandman scene before this? Um, it was. Yeah, it was before that. Because okay. that was when they went through uh, and they find Electro and Flint comes in and he thinks that this is the Peter Parker from his universe. And, you know, right. Tom Holland's Peter, Peter Parker goes, you yeah. know, hey, help me get this guy and then we'll figure out what's going on here. And he, you know, zaps uh, Electro into the Sanctum Sanctorium. Uh, Flint kind of freaks out and goes, what did you do? Did you kill him and everything? And Peter freaks out and zaps him as well. So those two are imprisoned. Uh, the lizard was already imprisoned by Doctor Strange off screen. Right, and then Alfred Molina's there kind of with his tentacles still controlled by Peter. Right. I, I love how Doctor Strange is like, I found this thing in the sewer. Like, and um, like referring to the lizard. Yeah, and it it, it, it kind of, I feel like it's the kind of indifferent comment that the lizard deserves because he's kind of an indifferent villain. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's, I don't know, man. I I was even still kind of like, okay, even in this movie, <laughs> you know, I like Rise Ifans that plays him, but I'm like, eh, the lizard is just a lizard. But um, okay, so now. I like how this film gave great fan service, dude. Like it, it, it knows it knows the meme culture that surrounds Spider-Man. Like, uh, see, I, my my wife didn't catch this joke, but um, there's a moment where Green Goblin is in the uh, the oh, cage where he's game. in the prison. Yeah, right. He says he says uh, he says, oh, you know, I'm I'm something of a scientist myself. Yeah, <laughs> and only a handful of people laughed in the theater. You could tell some people didn't get the joke, and you know, like, but like, <laughs> I just love that line. Yeah, th- this movie oh. is one of the most self-aware Spider-Man movies, where it knows exactly what fans want, and it gives it to them every single time. Because uh, following this, you know, Peter decides that he wants to help the villains. Uh, Doctor mm. Strange is like, "We're gonna send them back," and you know, in by this point, the villains have started to talk amongst themselves, and they're like, hey, I recognize you. Like, Electro and uh, Lizard recognize each other. Uh, Alf, uh, Doc Ock recognizes Osborn. Osborn recognizes him. 
uh flint is kind of just standing there like i have no idea who any of you people are uh (laughs) (laughs) and you know they're explained that uh these villains they were like some of them are going to die in their universe and they're talking about it like how uh alpha or doc i always want to say alfred molina but because that's the actor uh but uh doc ock like mentions you know he was about to harness the power of the sun and then he kind of like goes well hold on no no i was about to die no i was dead i'm pretty sure i was actually dead you know and norman i know you were dead norman's kind of going i'm not dead you know what now that i think about it yeah i do remember dying what is going on here (laughs) right and um listen man jamie fox has some great punchlines in this movie he does he had a makeover too. He had a clean cut. I'm like, uh, the guy I know that turned into Electro had a had a very nappy fro, mm-hmm. acne on his face. I'm like, was that a Jamie Foxx request? What was, what's that all about? I think this was trying to get a more comic accurate version of Electro because if they're going to redo uh, these villains, they're going to mm-hmm. do them right because even Lizard had a little bit of a facelift to make him represent a little bit closer to the comics without completely right. changing them. Uh, Alpha Melina got a couple little changes. Green Goblin's suit was kind of changed to be more like purple green, like uh, his counterpart in the comics and stuff. When my man's put the, when my man's William Dafoe put the hood on, oh, so good. He is here. Green Goblin has arrived. Yeah, like like, he is here now. Oh man, that whole little showdown at Aunt May at Happy's place. Like, uh, where him and Green Goblin are fighting through the levels in the apartment. I was like, dude. And, you know, he keeps the, like, I think, I think, I'm sorry about the mic. I think Tom Holland keeps fighting him and he has this, like, Joker smile on his face. I'm like, dude, this character has arrived. Yes. So, yeah, he, it's, it's such a creepy smile, too. Right. But it, yeah, that fight scene when, uh, because they bring them back to uh, Happy's apartment to try and, like, fix them or cure them. Um, right. It's going well. They managed to find a cure for uh, uh, Doc Ock to re-give him, like, a new neural chip so he can control the arms again. And mm-hmm. you kind of see, like, the his face just completely deflates as you can kind of see, like, he conveys the emotion of the voices are gone. Like, this... Thank right. you. Yeah, I didn't think right. that this was I can possible. Think now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that was awesome. Then they find like a way to uh, fix Electro by like removing all the electricity from his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, they find a way to do the same for uh, Norman to you know get rid of the Green Goblin personality that resides in him, and that's when the Green Goblin personality takes over. And all chaos breaks out. Uh, Doc Ock like runs off for some reason. I didn't quite understand that one. Uh, well, I think he run well because he's still him. Doc Ock isn't evil anymore. He's 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 Otto Octavius now. So yeah. I feel like he kind of runs away because what well, the police show up too, right? Because Jonah Jonah, Jonah right. Jameson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he he's just trying to get away. Um. The Spidey sense revealed that Green Goblin was still in uh, Norman Osborn. That was a very good scene. Oh, the slow-mo kind of like, yeah. Because he doesn't know where the Spidey sense is coming from. He doesn't know who, in fact, we don't even know what's going on. We just know that his Spidey sense is going off and something's not right. 
Yeah. Um, there's danger and he's trying to figure out who it is because he's literally in a room full of villains mm-hmm. who in other worlds want him dead more or less. Uh, dude, I made death scene, man. That, that was that a was tear. A, that, that was a surprise. Yeah. That one hurt. Uh, especially since she gave the famous line, uh, with great power, there also That's comes great, great responsibility. And this one was actually direct from the comics. So it's the actual yeah. quote from the comics and not the uh, like just uh, simple down one that they gave in the first two iterations of Spider-Man. So that I love that they actually went back and they did the full line. And that scene is a tear. It, that one hurts. Like it's, it's a sad. death that's, oh, it's very sad. But... Uh, with it, you get Peter actually, you know, this is this is his fault. You know, this is happening because of well, him. Well, see, my wife tried to say that, but I disagree. It's really Aunt May's fault. She's the one that suggested to Peter this whole idea thing. Yeah, but it was Peter who decided to, well, it's Peter's fault that these people are here. Well, okay, fair enough. So it's because of fair Peter, enough. like it's, you know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But it, it is Peter's fault that these people are here, and he is the one that decided to ultimately try and save them instead of sending them back by, uh, you know, fighting Doctor Strange. Who I love that he literally traps Doctor Strange in the mirror dimension using that geometry. Was a great sequence. Yeah, that was I a loved great it. Sequence. Yeah, that whole cat and mouse game through the whole. So that's that's his that's his world, right? Yeah, that's, that's like. His, the, like that's where like uh dr strange's power comes from more or less yeah that was a great sequence i love that um dude we gotta we gotta get to the major 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 reveal scene dude yes now the scene that surprised nobody but still was such a relief to see it surprised me how they introduced it uh, which i thought was very well done now up until this point i'm like okay i know toby and andrew are coming they they gotta come right. I know Toby doesn't have like like beef with Sony. I know Andrew doesn't have beef with Sony. They they gotta come right. It's just mm-hmm. about when. Is it gonna be an end credit kind of thing, or like? So we got MJ and Ned at uh, Ned's uh, grandmother's house. Yes. Um. Yeah. And Ned is is funny how Ned is learning how to open portals and stuff. And so they're they're trying to um they're trying to figure out where Peter is. So like Ned is like. I want to find Peter Parker, like bring Peter here. So he opens this portal and we see Spider-Man, you know, in the far off distance. And they're like, Peter, come here, come here. It was so cold how they did this because I thought it was really going to be like Tom Holland. No, as soon as he turned around, this is what I was talking about earlier with like the giant eyes that they did on this suit and no suit since where those eyes Mm -hmm. take up two thirds of the face that you immediately, as soon as he turned around, I was like, oh, they're doing it. They're doing it. Oh, my God. They better not close that portal. Son of a bitch, if they close that portal before he comes through, I'm going to riot in this movie theater right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the only critic in the theater like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. You know. Every other critic would have been like, what the hell is that guy's problem? And I'd be just there trying to like pull up the chairs in the theater just going, no, no, they almost did it. <laughs> Oh, man, let me tell you something, man. When he hopped through that screen, took off the mask, it was Andrew Garfield. 
it was applause, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I was clapping my hands, and I was like, yeah, man, Andrew. Because I said, in one part of my mind, I'm like, yes, Andrew's in it. Other part of my mind, now I know Toby's yeah, coming. Now, now the question is, how long is it going to be before Toby shows up? And it's about, like, mm, 30 seconds. <laughs> I like the little report he has with uh, MJ and Ned. But they're like, uh, like, prove you're Spider-Man. He says, well, I mean, he holds the ceiling, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> he jumps <laughs> up and he's hanging from the ceiling. No, crawl across the ceiling. Really? Really? <laughs> and um, uh, so at this point, you know, he does the spell again. Now, I know Toby's coming. I just want to know how they're going to do it. So, you know, he does the portal. You see this guy with. What's the joke Andrew Garfield made? Looks like a youth pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you see this guy with this youth pastor come in. It's Toby Maguire. Man, when I tell you the audience was hooting and hollering, I was clapping my hands fiercely. It's like I was 13 years old again, man. I got hype. I was like, Toby! You know, and, um, you know, of course, Toby comes through. And um, now, now, now let, before we move on, what was it like with the critics? Were every, was everybody just being professional or nobody clapped their hands? Um, when Andrew Garfield came on screen, there, there were some claps and everything like that. When, uh, Toby came on screen, keep in mind, this was a theater, like an IMAX level kind of theater with 10 people in it. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> it was a very small crowd because they only let the press in. So right, right. even if like only three people clapped, you know, it would just echo throughout the entire thing. Cause there was nothing else in that theater. Uh, but yeah, there there was some joy with that one. Yeah, uh, I was I was trying to keep my professionalism, you know, during that I like literally like clenching the seats, you know, fingernails digging into it, and just going, mm, I want to scream so bad. <laughs> I almost stood up and did a fist bump, man, but I didn't want to embarrass my wife. <laughs> but like, yeah, man, when Toby came through, man, I was fiercely clapping my hands, dude, and. Um, you know, I like the little funny scene between him and Andrew where they both get their spider sense like, you're not their friend. And, you know, they both kind of yeah. shoot webs at each other at the same time. Uh, yeah, man, that's just such a great that's just such a great moment. But we can move on. We can move on. Yeah. So from there, uh, let's just kind of speed cut a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We the Spider-Men are all introduced to each other. They kind of you know, say that they've also had losses. Uh, Andrew Garfield, I'm just going to go by their actors' names because they're all Peter, and they even make a joke about this in the movie. But right. uh, Andrew Garfield makes the remark about Gwen Stacy. You have Tobey Maguire making the remark about how he, like, almost lost everything that he ever had and everything. So mm -hmm. they understand it. Then they, you know, remark about Uncle Ben's words and how uh, Aunt May was the person that gave it to Tom Holland. But even though they were still Uncle Ben's words, I love that. So it kind of, like, tunes everything together nicely. <clears throat> And then they decide to work together to try and cure the villains. And because why not? Because why not? Well, they still they're Spider-Man. They're they still right. care about people and they want to, like, help people. You know? like, like, yeah. Like Toby said, it's what we do. Yeah, it's what they do. And so the. I guess I want to say, like, the science part of the movie um, right. has a lot of great banter and scenes with it. Uh, the most memorable of which is obviously when uh, they're trying to get their web fluid and everything like that. And Toby kind of goes, web fluid? 
What, what's that for? You know, so we can swing and everything. Oh, you don't have web fluid? Nah, I just, it just sprays like a web shot, like, you know, through his arm and everything. And I love the expression that uh, Andrew gives during that. And even a little bit when they're talking and you can see wait, Andrew wait, in the background, on. he's still kind of just staring like in disgust at Toby for a minute before kind of like snapping back to the conversation. Right. Like, I, like, I, lo- I gotta say, Andrew Garfield definitely full, fell right back into the role, and you can tell he was having the time of his life with it. Yeah, I could tell. I could say, I could, I could tell they all were having fun, to be honest. Um, and I love how they bring the meme to life, where uh, Ned comes in and says, hey, Peter. They all go, huh? Oh, they, and they do the pointing at each other. <laughs> it's like, no, no, Spider-Man. We still don't know which one you're talking about. The one near the computer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, man, fun times, man. I'm, I I love the rapport dialogue, dude. I think it's awesome. You want to, um, I think it's time. You want to cut to the final sequence? Yeah, so the final sequence, of course, has them go up against all the villains. Uh, yes. it, it leads to some great banter and everything. And uh, one of my favorite of which is when the Avengers are brought up and, you know, Toby's like, how is That's this great. helping? And, you know, I don't, I don't know what this is, well, Andrew no, Garfield. No. First, he says, oh, they both go, oh, yeah, you work with the Avengers. That's great. And they pause and go, who, who are they? What's that? <laughs> right. And um, let's even take it back. I'm sorry, because the banter was legendary, man. It's what we always wanted and, and, and more. Yes. Like, I love how um, they're all talking. <laughs> and Andrew says to Toby, like, uh, so the web fluid thing. So, like, how, how does that work? And Toby's like, I don't know if I want to talk about this. Like, are you guys making fun of me? Like, no, man. We wish we had that. Like, that would we, make it we, so we much to, easier. Like, I have to make put, mine in the lab, you know. Right. We gotta put cartridges on our wrist. It just comes out of you. And he says, Yeah, it just it just comes out of me. I, I, I um, and uh, one of them made a joke. Oh, like, Tom, uh, <laughs> does it only come out of your wrists? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was cracking up, man. I thought it was hilarious. And um, there's this one point where and it, it played so much to Andrews, Peter Parker, where like like kind of like his low confidence a little bit where yeah. he's like he's like, man, you guys are awesome. Like hey, me, I'm lame. And I like how Peter and like how Toby McGuire goes. No, nah, man, I, I you're amazing. Like, yeah. no, I need you to I need you to know that. Like, you're amazing. And Andrew Garfield nods like, yeah, I I, I am yeah. amazing. You yeah, guys thank are you. Right. I, I needed to hear that. You know, I, I oh, Andrew Garfield. I can honestly say, you know, I would love to see Toby come back and do another Spider-Man. I need Andrew Garfield to come back and do another Spider-Man. Like, I need it in my soul for it to happen. I feel like that scene happened to all the criticism that Andrew Garfield gets for Spider-Man. Oh, that's absolutely what it was. And then they used it to turn into a pun for the amazing Spider-Man. You know, like, you're amazing. I just caught that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that makes that scene funnier it's it, so it, it for me it brought a tear to my eye i'll be honest like a lot of these scenes were great and stuff but it's just seeing the three of them together is like that childhood dream kind of thing like yeah. even when uh andrew garfield you know took up the mantle and it was like oh my god what if like toby mcguire showed up in one of the movies wouldn't that be awesome and stuff like that and then we got tom holland and it became like oh my god what if toby and garfield showed up in one and oh it's just Mm, it, it's tears knew, just since they came on screen. 
I knew Spider-Man dreams could come true the moment I saw Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. When that movie dropped, I said, okay, now I know Marvel is going to see this and go, well, what if we did that in real life? You know, like, I know that's going to happen. So this film uh, was great, man. And I I just got to talk about that wonderful moment. You know, when they all group up and they, you know, we establish who's Spider-Man 2, who's Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Like, so Toby is Spider-Man 2. Um, Andrew Garfield to Spider-Man 3. Man, that moment when they get into their fight stance, Toby lands, then Andrew, then Tom. The best part is, like, when they're swinging and everything like that, uh, Mm -hmm. Tom Holland, like, whips back and, like, flings them both forward in front of him, too. And it's like, oh, this is, like, seeing, oh, it's, mm, tears, man, tears. I loved it. when they got into that fighting stance, the the, the crowd went crazy. Everybody oh, was yeah. clapping like, let's go! And then you got Sandman, Lizard, and uh, Electro on the other side. It's just, it's a showdown, man. Like, everyone was clapping. It was great. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, even when uh, Doc Ock shows back up and has that kind of moment, like, we know that he's good, but... Uh, yeah. You know, uh, Toby doesn't, you know, he, he's in that mode of doc is, is everything good? And then they, he like grabs both of the Peters, you know, right. and it was, uh, up against Electro, I think. And he was like, let me handle this, you know? And then you, he kind of like turns around and then all of a sudden he like grabs Electro and takes the, you know, arc reactor off of him and stuff. And then it like zooms in on like Toby and stuff. Oh, I love that. It's just so good. Uh, yeah, I, I I like the little dialogue they have where cutting, you know, going back to Spider Man Two, he says, "Peter, how you doing?" And Toby kind of nods, like, "I'm I'm doing better, like yeah. I'm I'm like you know I'm I'm getting better or something like that, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, even when he like is holding the uh, arc reactor and he even makes the comment, you know, the power of the sun in the palm of your hand. Yeah, you know, and then he hands it off to Peter, you know. I think it was so great that we we rushed and watched all the films where we saw this because all mm-hmm. of the key dialogue that came back made it so much better. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. This movie yeah. was a giant Easter egg hunt for Spider-Man fans, and it was so worth every moment of this movie is yeah. just perfect. Just, just, you know, chef's kiss perfect. It is. So the final fight between Green Goblin and, um, you know, Tom Holland, uh, you know, Tom Holland's in battle mode. You know, he wants to kill Green Goblin. And Green Goblin loves that because all Green Goblin knows is hate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what fuels his character, hate. Um, so, you know, he's getting close to killing the Green Goblin. He grabs the man's um, uh, the glider, sort of gro- the glider, you know, call back to the first one when he when he died. Um, and you know, Toby steps in and stops him. Oh no, no, no! Wait, wait, way before this scene, dude. We gotta talk about when Andrew Garfield saved oh, MJ. MJ, that oh, that, that was a great scene. That, that scene, oh, that that one still hurts my heart a little bit, just in the right ways, uh, because it starts that. off with uh, MJ following falling off of uh, the scaffolding and mm-hmm. falling down and uh, Tom Holland goes to jump down to save her but uh, he gets intercepted by Green Goblin and right. then uh, you have Andrew notice this and jump and instead of trying to thwip and get her that way with the webbing he just 
dives down to grab her and uh, catch the brunt of the landing, knowing exactly how to do it. And just the tears that he starts doing, it just it's enough to throw you off a little bit as well. And you know, that. like in canon, kind of in head canon and everything, he's been reliving that moment in his life, you know, every yeah. day since it happened and just waiting for a chance to redeem himself. And he got the chance and he made it. He stuck the landing and saved somebody in the same way that he wished he could have saved Gwen Stacy. And, oh, it's, mm, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I love that scene. <laughs> If only Gwen Stacy just would have stayed put, man. Like I remember going back to that film, and I'm like, she just sort of stayed her ass where he where he where he told her to stay to the to the, on the taxi cab. Like none yeah, of this. But that wasn't happen. her character. You know, it wouldn't have made sense if yeah. she did that. I ain't hearing all that. It's like I told my <laughs> wife, "You see what happens when you don't listen. You see what happens when you don't listen to your man." <laughs> like, but anyway, fast forward. Um, back to Green Goblin and um, Tom. So basically, told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby Maguire comes in and stops Tom from like, you know, dropping the hammer, you know, and um, you know, Green Goblin stabs Toby. Now I said in my mind, I know damn well they're not gonna bring Toby back just to kill him. If they do that, I'm upset. Everything that happens before this point means nothing to me if they kill him. I would have seen that as like a fitting end for that Spider-Man if they did that. Like that would be ballsy to bring him back to kill him off like that and in a certain way i would have kind of respected it as like a closing out for that peter parker um i wouldn't have respected that man i would have been a little mad like i know y'all did not just kill off the best spider-man ever i know y'all did not just do that man that would have been unforgivable man i forgave them killing off iron man not that Okay. Not that. But uh yeah, he does end up getting the cure to Green Goblin. He doesn't kill him. Um Toby kind of talks him out of it because, you know, he you don't want to go down that path. I've gone down that path, trust me. You don't want to go down that path kind of thing. Yeah. And eventually uh Stephen Strange finally escapes from the mirror dimension uh <laughs> just as everything's kind of falling apart cuz Green Goblin blew up the box containing the spell. So the spell is now unleashed. So everybody from every possible universe that knows that uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man is coming into their universe and literally ripping it apart. So Mm -hmm. in order to stop it, uh, Peter finally makes a sacrifice that uh, to have everybody forget who he is. So nobody would know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And that would include MJ, Ned, everybody he's ever met, including Doctor Strange himself. So <clears throat> finally goes through with it, has a heartfelt goodbye with Ned, with MJ. Uh, the spell closes out. All the villains in Andrew and Toby go back to their own universes and we're presented with the ending of uh, Peter kind of no longer having a history as far as people are concerned. You know, nobody yeah. remembers him anymore. He's um he's no longer going to school. Um he's going he's going for his GED. Uh he's moving into his own apartment. Uh he uh you He know, no longer he, has the Stark tech and everything from his suit. Uh which I absolutely love. So 
earlier I made the comment on Andrew Garfield's suit being my favorite so far. Uh, mm-hmm. The little bit that we saw of this new suit that he has, that he sewed together himself, it, it has all the right parts to be the perfect Spider-Man suit. And even though we only saw it for like a flash, I, I think that might end up being my new favorite Spider-Man suit when we finally see it in full detail. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, I like the farewell scene between him and uh, MJ. Yes, it, it's very touching. Th- this movie is has way too much emotion for being a campy, you know, superhero movie. Th- there's there's way too much emotion in this one, and I'm not complaining about that. I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> it hits the right notes. It hits the right notes. Um, yes. in many moments. Uh. And it's not cliched either. Like, that's the one thing. It's not cliched, like, emotional hits. It's It knows how to play them, and it plays them well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so, it ends on Christmas Eve, too, which is strange. Yes. I hope that leads into something. Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe. But um, I like that final shot of him swinging. Now let me talk about the one minor disappointment I have with this movie. It's not huge, but it's a minor disappointment. So Venom's mid-credits scene. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, they could they could have used this they could have used this man throughout this whole movie. They could have put him in any place, but they saved him for this crappy mid I don't I ain't going to say it's crappy, but they saved him for this mediocre mid-credits scene where he's drunk in a bar bartender is explaining to him the Avengers because they don't exist in Tom Hardy's Venom's world. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I had a chuckle out of it, but I was kind of like, dude, this is a wasted opportunity. Why yeah. did you give us that end credit scene in Venom 2 if y'all weren't going to put him into action? It, it was so they could leave a little bit of the symbiote behind so they could play with Venom in the next Spider-Man movie. That's Man, all it hear all was that. there for. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Like, yeah, exactly. when you started off saying the one thing that you didn't like about this movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be good because I didn't have anything. But yeah, now you reminded me of that horrible end credit scene, which is yeah, probably man. my least favorite of all of them ever in any Marvel movie. This is the worst one by far. I'd have to revisit all of them to make that distinction. Now, I don't even but, um, need to. It, I already know because it's the only one that I literally watched and I got pissed off by watching. <laughs> was that Harry Styles ending scene from Eternals a, a, a end credit scene or was that right before the credits? Uh, I think that was, well, it was a mid credits, the same as this one was. Yeah, that movie, that was kind of whack to me because I didn't even know who his character was. Oh, see that uh, one? I was like, oh, that's cool. They're actually bringing him. Okay, they're going to do. I like where this is going. This one, I was like, I don't like where this is going at all. Delete that. Remove it. I, I hope this gets removed from the movie between I, now me seeing it and it premiering. I don't think it's the worst one, um, but it's one that I kind of was left kind of like, really? You just brought him back to leave that symbiote behind? Like, why not have the real Venom we have now fight Peter Parker? Yeah, you're throwing everything else at the wall in this movie. You might as well just have him show up at one point, you know, but whatever. I was kind of like that was a wasted opportunity, man. It it definitely brings more questions about like the vulture being in the Morbius trailer and stuff as well now, which comes out in January. 
So when that happens, I'm curious what the hell is going on with that one, because that's just so, such a question mark, too. It's not a question mark to me, because I like what's the question mark to you? Uh, why the hell is Morbius talking from to Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming? Because uh, Morbius I, is supposed to be a part of the Venom universe. Is he? Yeah. Do, well, he, he makes make a reference to Venom. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He makes he makes that Venom joke in the trailer. That is confusing. And then there's also the poster of uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I think that's just kind of a wink to the audience, but uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm you excited for Morbius? Um, I, it was mixed. You know, I'll go I'm, see I'm, it. I'm, I'm not exactly yeah. like counting down the days for it, but you right. know, I, I'll see it because it seems like an interesting movie, good or bad. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. So, um, biased review, straight classic. Five out of five for me for this movie. That's a biased review. Um, unbiased because of that that mid credit scene that just left a, a a claw in my in my um in my brain. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I can give it a five out of five. Unbiased. Un, it's a great crowd pleaser. Unbiased. Mm-hmm. I gotta say four point eight. Uh, as a Spider Man fan, uh, six out of five. Hands down, no, no question. Um, oh, I'll make it happen. It's it's happening. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but as a critic, it, this is a five out of five. This this movie hits all the right notes. It does a good balance of humor. Uh, it does a good balance of emotion, of good storytelling. The villains are good. Peter's actions are good. Like this is the first time we get to see Peter Parker. Uh, being one of the Peter Parkers that we've known throughout the other iterations of Spider-Man, where his actions are the cause of these villains. Because in Homecoming, it was because Stark, you know, took away Vulture's job. In uh, Far From Home, it was because Tony Stark, you know, ruined Mysterio's life. Uh, In this one, it was because Peter got selfish, and his selfishness caused trouble for the entire world, and he had to fix it himself. His own actions caused this, and he had to fix it himself. And he tried to fix it in the most Peter Parker way possible by not just fixing it and sending these people back, but by actually trying to cure them so they could survive in their own universes again. And it just exemplifies everything that Peter Parker should be. And it made me realize one of the things that, like, something always felt off about Homecoming and Far From Home to me. And this movie made me realize what it was. And it was because Peter Parker was not acting as Peter Parker. And in this movie, it was so exemplified in how much he is shown to be that selfless selfless person that it, it just all clicks together. So you had the same moment I had when I told you I wasn't the biggest fan of uh, Henry Cavill's Superman until that montage in Zack Snyder's Justice League where it all kind of made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Where you're, he- you're hearing Kevin Costner in one ear and then Russell Crowe in the other. And I'm like, oh, OK, his whole trajectory in Zack Snyder's films lead up to this moment. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. It, had, it, yeah. Th- this is the movie that, you know, it. Typically, it it definitely adds to the previous two of the home trilogy or whatever you want to call it, John Watts' trilogy. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
but it it shows the biggest uh, fault that those had, and he fixes them in grand design. And it, this is a five out of five from every angle that I come at. You know, there, I can't think of any angle where this doesn't reach five out of five. Quick question. Is that mid credit scene a five out of five? That mid credit scene is a negative three out of 20. And uh, I stand by that. <laughs> uh, but the mid credit scenes are not a part of the movie. Marvel has yes, stated that, so I cannot incorporate that into my score. So it's still a five out of five. <laughs> if it's something I'm seeing on screen from opening logo to closing logo, it's a part of the movie <laughs> in, my, in my mind. Um, but okay, quick thing before we get out, folks. Multiverse of Madness, what you think with that little sneak preview we got? Uh, I'm excited for it. I really hope that they just... So with No Way Home, they showed that they could go balls to the wall and mm-hmm. with Multiverse of Madness, it, they literally don't have a limit of it being focused around Spider-Man uh, because Doctor Strange can go into anything. So I really hope that, you know, Spider-Man went balls to the wall. I hope Doctor Strange just hulks right through that wall and just keeps going through an entire, like, building. You know, just going through every verse that we could see because we got Toby and Andrew in this one. We could get the original X Men in the next one. We could get the rebooted Fox X Men in the next one. We could get talking? Ghost Rider in the. There's no limit to who we could get in the next one. Are you talking about bringing my man Hugh back? Um, I, I would love to see it. And if they were gonna do it for like a cameo moment of that, like little snide, here it is. This is the movie it's gonna happen in. They already did that. Deadpool two. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, there, there's no restraint on this one. That's what excites me the most about it because they're playing with the multiverse and there's no rules that they have to abide by. I just love how we're full circle here, man. We came from Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man to this for him coming back for this sequel. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm excited to see. So picking off where WandaVision left off, I'm, I'm excited to see Doctor Strange come across Wanda. And I love how he immediately says, look, I'm not here because of what you did in that town, which I think still looks makes her look like a dick. Right. Like, I, like she was a dick for that whole series. Uh, but um, I like how he says, I need, he basically needs help with the multiverse, right? Like, uh, Yeah, there's monsters coming in. I need help from somebody else, you know. And right. he knows that she's a Nexus being. So she, he already knows that she's more powerful than him. And it looks like he's getting a punishment for what happened too in this movie. Like he he's a little punished for for doing that spell. Oh yeah. Um. On top of that, I love that Chitwell Iwoji for I always mess up his last name. I love that Chitwell is coming back for this film, and they're finally showing his character as the villain he is in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name again? His character's uh, name. I want to say it's not Mordo. It's uh, Mandu. I'd have to look it up to be honest. I can't remember off the top of my head. What? Well, either way, I'm glad that they're bringing him uh, in as a villain, like yeah. the way his character's supposed to be. So, uh, that'll be yeah. nice. It looks good. It, it looks like a solid movie. I think I'm going to. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see it, and I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, you think that's an opening day movie? Uh, for me, most Marvel movies are opening day movies for me. 
You know, so it's it's going to be an opening day. Like Morbius is going to probably be an opening day movie for me. You know, oh, that doesn't mean that I'm super excited for it. It's just if I don't see it opening weekend, the chance that I'm going to see it in theaters kind of goes down by like 90 percent. Listen, man, opening day to me means that, um, you know, you need to see this movie opening day because you don't want to run into spoilers on the Internet. And let me just say, everyone has been on their best behavior I don't know if it's the friends I have or the places I lurk, but everyone's been on their best behavior, not spoiling No Way Home. Oh, I know that I was literally like shaking, holding my phone at the end of the movie, just going, I can't say anything. I can't say anything to anyone. I have to wait three Dude. days before somebody else I can talk to about this. <laughs> when I met, when I saw you make your post saying, hey, I'm heading to the screening, I said, okay, see you later, social media. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll get back to you in three days after I see this. Um because I knew it was coming, man. I mm-hmm. knew it was coming. But uh, the thing about this movie is I had to be careful what I said. Because if I say, awesome film it will give you great nostalgia, I'm already ruining what happened. Right. Like, I had, I just had to say, awesome movie, and just leave it at that. Like, I wrote a spoiler-free review for 8-Bit Waffles that you can find right now on the site. And that review was, like, one of the hardest to write because it was like, and, oh, no, I can't mention that. Well, this, you're going to have to trust me that these people just definitely fit into this universe. And, you know, it's it, it was difficult. <laughs> it's a crowd pleaser, the end. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, all right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. Well, I know we went a little bit over the hour mark, but, you know, uh, we had a lot to say about about No Way Home. Uh, catch, you, catch you on the next one. Like, share, and subscribe. Have a good one.